For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's he listening to? Same song, over and over. Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. Uh, uh. We got Bow Wow in the house. My man Lil Zane. Uh, Lil Wayne, Sammy Saint took me. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Believe in College Baseball. We are your hosts, Alan Styles and Orlando Razo. Thank you for joining, as always. If you are listening, you're probably listening on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, or Luminary. But if you didn't know, you can listen on all those platforms. Now you know. If you like us, go ahead and rate us. Give us five stars. If you don't like us, don't give us five stars, but at least let us know why. Orlando, what do we have to talk about today? Uh, well, we got MLB in full swing. Just uh, it's hitting on, it's not hitting on all cylinders actually, uh, but it is hitting, not on all cylinders. Hopefully it can figure its shit out. Uh, but we also have a great interview with, uh, with the voice of the Everett Aqua Sox of the Northwest League, an affiliate of the Seattle Mariners. Uh, we don't know what level they'll be. We'll get into that kind of in the interview. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty going on right now in the minor leagues. But Pat has been the voice of the Aqua Sox for 22 years. Uh, he's been in the game a long time. He's watched a lot of baseball. Um, and he's got a just a kick-ass radio voice, doesn't he? He does. It's smooth. It's smooth. Yeah, silky smooth cat, uh, as, as they would say. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we got MLB full mm-hmm. swing. A uh, few things. I, I just have three notes. Um, everyone on the Marlins got COVID. Right. More than half the team. And then Jeter, obviously you got to defend your guys. Like I, I, I get, you know, defend your dudes. Mm-hmm. The excuse that Jeter had was – absolutely absurd it was something out of curb your enthusiasm right right some shit like that he said one of his players walked out to go get a milk and that's what happened and yeah and that co- was like and, he and violated the, the rules uh because he went to go get a milk well the whole thing happened with the cardinals as well i don't think they had as many but i know yadier went down and then I read, and somehow this flew under the radar. I don't know if it wasn't true or not. I heard the Cardinals went to a casino, like allegedly. Yeah. And, and, and like nobody is talking about that. Like Lou Williams is getting destroyed just for enjoying an, some nice wings. And the Cardinals are out playing roulette. Like a casino has got to be the, like, parks, casinos are the most like COVID heavy like right. areas you can we go talked to. about this uh right yeah we talked about that with Brian Paul like the most likely places to get COVID I didn't even think of that Chuck E. Cheese is huge they well, might they, go they went bankrupt they went under. yeah you know? yeah I mean that was uh that would have touch those tokens right right no that's a it's a hotbed so none of them went to Chuck E. Cheese but yeah the, the casino is it's adult Chuck E. Cheese pretty much pretty much yeah no, definitely agreed. But honestly, I bet more. I bet a lot of big leaguers are going to casinos. Like maybe not. Maybe not a lot. I shouldn't say that. But I. I bet there's more than you think that have that have violated this protocol. That's always kind of how I look. Well, at somehow it. They're, they're they're getting tested, so somehow they're not getting it. Right. I mean, they're taking precautions, whatever. But I mean, all of this falls on. Look, look. Both of them didn't want a bubble. Like both the players right. association, the owners, they didn't want a bubble. They could have very well done a bubble. Like, yeah, because I was reading our, 
I know they interviewed Mike Trout and he's been like destroying. I actually lost. I was in first place for FanDuel yesterday and lost because he hit two bombs. Yeah, because he had a kid. I told you, dad strength. Dad strength. He's got like three, yep. bo- at least three bombs since. So he went because he was talking about being up all night. I think he just went, came back and just got tested. Like it's all good. It's like, right. isn't there an incubation period? Like these are the things. Well, the NBA, they have to quarantine if you leave. You have to quarantine right. for right. a so, week. That's just, well, they have zero positive tests. Like if he can't, if he, if, if, because it's 60 games in 66 days. If the baby, he had the baby, he goes back, he gets tested. It's a five-day incubation period that did not get accounted uh, for. Accounted for. I, I don't understand any of this. I don't. No, I don't either. But what I'm really understanding and enjoying is just the fact that even though there's some games are getting postponed, like we're still seeing, and this has been, I've been hearing this across like a lot of content that, you know, that I listen to Mm -hmm. is just how, and you could say this for the NBA as well, but just how in shape these guys are despite this whole layoff thing, like Dustin may the other night. And, and I want to touch on, on, it feels like every other day, not even every other day. It's like, multiple times a day I see a tweet from pitching ninja and it's just, I'm looking at the pitch. Like what the fuck are you supposed to do with that? Right. It's like, these guys are so ridiculously nasty right now. Like all these players are in great shape. And like, that's Mm -hmm. something that I've been extremely impressed with. Like you show how much these guys take it seriously. Yeah. Right. And it just shows whatever they're doing in the off season. uh, It was working for some. And it's also, I don't know, man. There's something to be said about a sense of urgency, right? Like, you know how far against I am of 162 games. And there's something to be said about the brain and how the brain works and how you turn things like every athlete turns it on and turns it off. I don't care who you are. It's just a matter of how good is your on, (laughs) you know, that's really what it comes down to. And when you look and you say, I have 60 games, not 162 is it easier to focus for 60 games straight than it is for 162 when you're in the dog days of summer? Of course it is. So I think there might be a mental side of that as well. And that's why we're seeing, you know, I think uh, you had mentioned randomly that the Reds could make some noise and they have been, you know, like some of these teams when everybody's on an even playing field, you know, the Reds are like, wow, all the other stands are empty like ours. This is great. You know, so they don't feel like, I just think there's a definitely sports psychologists make a lot of money for a reason. And I feel like everybody's kind of on a blank slate right now. And it's a little different. I was talking about how the NBA bubble you're seeing, you know, the Suns are four and O and all this stuff because it's just like mono mono, you know, it's, there's more pride involved and there's no distractions. Like now there's a little bit more in baseball because there isn't a bubble, but it's the same idea, right? It's not, there's no fans like heckling you. It's just like, look, we're playing the game. We love, and we're going to do it to the best of our ability right now. Well, I, look at the COVID Marlins right now. They are they have one of the best. Granted, that's going to balance out. I, right, I don't right. think they're going to. But, I mean, it's exciting. You mentioned you don't like – I'm pro 162-game season. Call me old-fashioned. Well, well, whatever. We'll, we'll but do you another do have episode a great, on that. You do have an excellent point where these teams are like – I mean, we, DeGrom's been sitting like 100 for all of his starts. Yeah, like and that, he's going to. He, he doesn't have to hold any – this is like him being a right. closer. This, right. Like this short of a season. Right, exactly. So he can just let it fucking eat all the time now. The we're, time. we're seeing these guys – yeah, we're seeing – I mean, I was reading an article about Dustin May today where he's throwing two to three miles per hour harder. He's sitting 96 to 99, and his fastball looks like a fucking changeup. Right. So it, that's, is it a, it's definitely a combination of, you know, he's a young guy, got stronger, but also – I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it fly all season right. long. Right. Did you like that I called them the COVID Marlins? I did. I did. I, I. I also saw. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I got in a like a Twitter rabbit hole of seeing guys like so happy to say I played in the bigs and like guys I never heard of before. So I'm like, oh, okay, it's the Marlins. Like they just got to the big leagues. Right. No. There's. There, I mean. I'm never going to be like throw shade on, on a guy that gets to the, gets to the show. But obviously, you know, some people are helped out by the system that they're right. in. That's right. That's, that's, that's just facts. That's, that's just yeah, facts. That's, yeah. A knock's a knock, you know, an absolute knock is a knock. Um, another thing, I mean, Shane Bieber 
I watched him. I mean, I've seen every start of his, and I watched him yesterday. He went seven innings. I think he gave up two runs, two mm-hmm. solo bombs, and like nine Ks. I think he had like his C stuff. Like he right. did not. He was two two to guys a lot. He would get O two and then throw a couple balls. Um, like had a few non-competitive. And obviously, I'm nitpicking here. Right. I'm looking at it through the lens of my uh, putting on my pitching coach hat. Like that's if I'm watching that game and I've seen his best stuff that is nowhere near what he can be and he's still shoved against the reds like this dude is on another level right now yeah and then you have uh aaron judge who already has seven bombs uh i know i was looking up the projections before the season started i i didn't i don't think i ever looked at the yankees but i know like cody bellinger was projected at like between nine and 11. So I don't even know if they thought anybody would get more than 15. Um, I, I, I will say this though. I'm not really a fan. Um, and we, we talked a good bit about the, the giants, these last couple episodes. Well, first of all, all the people that want Gabe Kapler gone, I, you just need to relax. I, I know he does some stupid stuff, but we still have a triple a roster. That's the bottom line. That's all I'm going to say there. But also I don't like the idea. Some of these guys are saying, well, um, right now, you know, this team would be so-and-so and so-and-so in 162-game seasons. It just doesn't seem like a fair like, equation to me to, to, to keep doing this. You know, if it was 162 games, we'd be this or we'd be that. It's like, we're not. Like, this season is the season. It doesn't really matter. So what I'm getting at is we're going to go through this where if Aaron Judge stays hot, Right. And let's say he has 20 bombs in 60 games. What are people going to say? If it was a full season, he would have hit a hundred home runs. And it's like, well, the on pace. Yeah. I think right, but we do that. the on pace every year. And there's always a guy that starts out hot and cools off because there's a hundred. Remember when Trevor story was supposed to be the best hitting shortstop since like Tulo or something. See my favorite guy in that, the whole on pace, I guess, era. Well, we could, we're, technically still in the on pace era but uh i don't know if you remember ben francisco he used to play with the indians and he i think he hit six or seven home runs in the first week that he was up Mm -hmm. and like i mean talk about the headlines like this guy's on pace you know he's gonna break hank aaron's record in a few days like that was that was the big, big thing with Ben Francisco. I, I love that. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But no, it's not. It's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous when you know it's going to play out. If, if somebody comes out, if this is a normal season, people are like Aaron Judge is on pace to hit 84 home runs. And you're just like, okay, we'll see. And we do it every single year. Now that we don't have a full season, it's going to end. And people are going to be like, if he had played the whole season, he would have hit this. And it's like, you can't say that. You just can't say that. I mean, that's what, like, first take would have a field day with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Max, I mean, Max Kellerman, the, the Yankees fan. Yeah. Yeah. Should Aaron Judge, like, be awarded 180 home runs because right, he was on right. pace to hit that? But should Barry Bonds get in? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, overall, like, you know, and we talk about the pitchers. Tatis is mashing right now. Yeah. Guys no, you're are, talking about the pitchers. I'm talking about – I've been talking about the hitters. Right. Well, yeah, that, that's that's very true. But God, it, that's a big thing. Everyone's, like, clicking right now, except yeah. Christian Yelich. Um, I do have a very interesting stat, and I, can, I couldn't find it for the life of me. I talked with you briefly about it, and, and we're, we're not talking about the Giants team here. This is just remarkable that – this has to be close to a single season record. And this is a 60 game season, but Tyler Heineman for the giants. I don't know him. Maybe a great guy way to get to the big leagues, three catchers interferences in one season in the first like two weeks of the year. That's insane. Yeah. I've seen every single one too. Like I've watched every single one actually happen. My question is, has this been an issue for him? Like, we need to find out what happened in the minors. Like, so what's going on? Classic, I mean, Kapler, his, some of his pre- press conferences, 
remind me uh, of Jim Tom Sulip. That's neither here nor there. But he said that they try like he was standing too far back in spring, so they moved him up, and now he's obviously extremely obvious to someone who probably has never watched a game of baseball in their entire fucking life. He is now too far forward towards the hitter. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. We, we got to get a catcher on. Is this a, uh, an issue that plagues catchers, right? Like, well, what, 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 so what I I've had a few uh, stints at catcher, so I could probably answer that for you. Um, so no, I don't want to hear it from you, honestly. <laughs> where was your last stint so it was i was in uh minors so like in little league um and it was the all-star team uh-huh. and uh i convinced my, my dad was the manager i was i was probably one of the best catchers on the team i convinced my dad to let me catch for an inning during one of the games right in the all-star tournament and uh, I was like super, super afraid. I found it extremely difficult to actually catch the ball when the hitter swung the bat. That yeah, was the no, hardest part I, I of catching that. for me. Yeah, I would never do that. So, do you ever have any catching experience? Well, the, no, we're both left-handed. You shouldn't have any catching experience. I know, but it is pretty fun to slap the gear on. Like, it's just fun to frame pitches. Sure, sure. But one thing certain flat grounds did you ever you'd probably never you probably would watch pitchers play catch and like fire the ball yeah well what what would happen is like you you're a little tardy to practice because like class ran long and then you got to warm up with a pitcher and then like hey can you just get down for a second can you just get down (laughs) i'm like okay (laughs) you really said okay you agreed to that yeah but because like you know yeah i'm like I'm not scared of a ball. I can catch. And then you get down there and you're like, okay, like how many do you, do you need here? I think, oh I think I hear, God. I hear, I think I hear coach calling the outfielders. I got to get out of here. So in college, by the time I was a fourth year, I just, with my cat, I, I would not catch flat grounds. It would just like, that was like, you right. know, I just buddy, good luck, which our pitchers didn't even throw very hard. So I don't know why I just, it's kind of a dick move, but whatever. So no. one of the off seasons uh, that I was, you know, getting ready. So I played catch with uh, Giolito be- like the, the off season before last off season. So when, when he had, before he had a really, really breakout year. So I was his catch partner. Yeah. Connect the dots. Um, but we were, would play catch and he would ask me to get down sometimes. And he throws, I couldn't say no to him. No. Like, that's not someone that you just say no to at all. No. So that's like, I mean, it's a no-brainer, yes. But I was, like, terrified. I couldn't imagine being a catcher, you know, at the big league level. Like, I have utmost respect for catchers. Yeah, right. It's, 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 definitely, it's definitely something else, man. But I'm trying to think. I mean, like, you, you touched on Tatis. Uh, I, the Padres, are we watching – now, this is before the Houston Astros cheating scandal, and obviously we all want them to get their due, and they're, they're getting off the easiest with no fans. They, they, they really are. Not that fans will forget, but it really should have been this season. They're not doing too bad, but, you know, the A's are – I'm, I'm rooting for the A's, to be honest. But are we watching that evolution, which is not good because they are in the same division as the Giants, but are we watching the evolution of – meanwhile, the Rockies, I, I think it'll peter off, but the Rockies are like, what, seven and two – or eight, eight and two or eight and three now because they yeah, beat they the Giants. Yeah, they just beat their ass, yeah. So are, are we watching the evolution of the Padres that I'm sure Padres fans have been waiting for? It's like you're bad for so long. You accumulate picks, you get – they got Hosmer, they got Machado, Tatis is who we, who he was supposed to be. They are who we thought so they far. were. Yeah. So do we think we're seeing, they got Paddock, who's a boss too. Do we think that they could really, maybe anything is possible this year, but definitely in the future, you're looking around and the Dodgers aren't going anywhere. The, the Padres are really on the come up. And then it's like, okay, well, let's just hope to beat the Diamondbacks. Right. I do. 
So the Padres have always been kind of like, I, I'm getting the same feeling though that I got when I was super young watching them when they were really good with like mm-hmm. Klesko and, and Phil Nevin and Mark Kotze and those guys. Right. I do kind of get the same feeling that this team can act because the, the Padres all, have always had talent. Like they had that one year where they brought in Kimbrell and, and brought in a bunch of, granted those guys didn't pan out. I think they brought in like James they had James Shields for a while as well. Dude, so they haven't like had, yeah, he fell off, man. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> but like, it's not like they've been talentless for a while. They just haven't really known how to win. Like it really just hasn't shown to be, right. you know, like a, a culture of winning, but this group really looks like they're, they look unafraid. Like, yeah. That's what I was going to say. They look, they look unafraid. Um, and like we talked about there, they know that in their mind, you know, the Rockies are starting out hot, but they, I believe they feel that it's them and the Dodgers. And, and especially in a season like this with 16 teams getting in, they know, Hey, uh, they're going to be able to celebrate. And I don't know when's the last time again, the, the drought, right. If they end their playoff dr- playoff drought this year, is there going to be an asterisk like ended playoff drought? First year that was this many teams was allowed. Not that anybody cares, but they're gonna get in. I, I don't really see like the way they're playing right now. I see no reason, and the way the the rest of that division is playing, unless the Padres are who we didn't know that they were. Um, I think it's gonna be Dodgers Padres. Has to be, and I also just love the the Padres unis this year. I love they, that they went. They're, to they're that doing time. some good things. They're doing some good yeah, things. Yeah, they are. They are. I've always associated with them, and, and I don't mean. I, I have a lot of Padres, uh, a lot of friends that are Padres fans. You know, I, I love the Padres fan base. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that. I've always loved their fan base. That, um, every, 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 who's everyone? Yeah, everyone known has always known <laughs> that I've that I've loved the Padres fan base, uh, but I've always kind of associated with the, them with kind of the Sacramento Kings. Um, or just, you know, a, a franchise that can be fun sometimes, but yeah. just like, yeah, you know, you're never, never going to win. Right. Right. But um, I mean, this guy, guys, superstar, when you bring it, when you bring up superstars like Tatis, superstars can change the direction of, of any franchise. And right. you've seen that before. Um, but that's just a fact and that goes in, in any sport that, that a, a collection of superstars in a team sport like this can just change a franchise drastically. Right. But I will say though, I feel like baseball, when you're talking about the major sports, um, I can't really speak on hockey, but uh, compared to the NBA and the NFL baseball, especially as Giants fans, we know anybody can really win, right? People say any given right. Sunday for football yeah maybe during the regular season but once it comes to the playoffs most of the time you know the eagles had a run but right um most of the time it's who you think is at least going to be in in the positions at the end of the season but then you look at uh the way that these teams build right the giants nobody really picked them astros people knew that they were they were getting they're just loaded yeah right the the Kansas City Royals, right? Like we have these teams, like the Diamondbacks. Like Arizona doesn't win in an, in another sport. You know what I mean? Like like some of these these cities, um, th- these more these smaller markets do better in baseball than I feel like in other sports, which leads For you sure. to believe that anything is possible. Right, especially this year. Especially Espe- this year. Especially this year. And it's going to be funny. Like we talk about some guys like Yastrzemski. I think he's out of the fours now, but could easily get back up. Like these guys that might finish in like the high threes, 400 for batting average. Conversely, right. there's going to be some good guys. Like I don't think Yelich is doing awful, but just I there's going to be some guys. Awful. Yeah, there's going to be some guys uh, that are going to turn in some bad seasons and they're going <sighs> to, people are going to say, just shake it. But is that that easy? Bro, that's going to be – could you imagine that? Like, Yelich has four – like, three – has MVP season, 48 home runs, 42 home runs, and then just has, like, an 068 next to, next to his name for, for – Well, see, and, and that's the thing, season. though. That's the thing, though. Look, I'm uh, looking at his stats right now. Actually, I don't even know if, the, if 
Oh, oh, I see what they're doing. I'm trying to find the his uh his current stats. I looked the other day, and it was. I mean, he has. Oh, a lot he's of batting punches. a a. a a dot zero eight eight. Yeah. So I mean, I'm obviously you know hopefully that doesn't keep up because I love when he's good, but he like that would be very 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 entertain like hilarious if if you know hopefully he would bounce back. But if he just had an O eighty eight next to twenty twenty season, I mean that's far. Like, how do you get over like, as an athlete? Like, obviously, I don't you, know. And you, you know can, what? You can like you can slump that long, like sixty game. Like you could you could slump for like twenty five of them, and unless he goes off in the other games, it's going to be a bad batting average. It's not even half a. Not even like close to half a season. Right. So, yeah, but more of the story. Base. It's great to see them playing baseball again. Hopefully Manfred can, I mean, talk about having little marbles for a nutsack. Like that guy just blaming the players. Obviously it's the player's fault. Everyone knows that, but your job as the commissioner, like the commissioner's job is to just take a heap of shit in the face. Like that's just, you make a lot of money that just comes with the territory. You just have to take the fans of shit that come in your face and deal with the tough questions and all that stuff. You just can't then throw your players under the bus. Like you're making the rules. If you leave the NBA bubble, you have to quarantine for eight days or nine days, whatever the hell it is. Right. Why isn't it like a suspension? People are going to start with a, without pay. If you're violating the COVID rules. Could you, could, would they not have agreed to that? I don't know why they wouldn't have. Like, if you want to have a season, this is kind of how it has to go. It sucks, but you're, we're having a season. Like, this is how it is. So why, why would you not make your own rules? And then, but I I don't know. He's, that guy fucking sucks. Yeah. Orlando, not a fan. Rob Manfred, come on the show. (laughs) Honestly, I don't even want him on the show. Don't come on the show. Don't come until on. you figure it out. Actually, maybe maybe resign. Uh, then then we can look back on your tenure. There you go. And see how it was. Um, do you have anything else? I don't. I don't. Let's get into this interview. All right. Uh, so enjoy our interview with Pat Dillon, and uh, we will see you guys uh, next week. Thank you so much again. Um, We'll continue to put out content and, uh, you know, you guys, uh, you guys are the best. All right. We now welcome on a very special guest. He has a silky smooth voice. It's a voice everyone should hear. Uh, he has been the voice of the Everett Aqua Sox of the Northwest league uh, for 22 years now going so one of the longest tenured broadcasters uh not just in the country but maybe even in the whole world uh that's pat Dillon. pat thank you so much for joining us and uh you know we appreciate your time orlando and alan a uh, pleasure to be with you guys you're, you're very kind thank you yeah absolutely we like to uh butter up our guests um i, I like to give them a good <laughs> intro make sure uh, make sure we, uh, let me, let me tell you, let me tell you, if I'm interrupt you for, let me interrupt you for a second. Just tell your audience that, uh, back in 2018 or Orlando was our ace five and three, 3.24 ERA, 15 starts, almost 80 innings of work. And, uh, you just, you, you hand him the ball every fifth day and you got a pretty good chance to win. There you go. Uh, I've never been introduced like that. I'm just going to start having guests that just only will t- say my stats from, you know, going back to maybe travel ball. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, you know, like I said, 22 years um, with the Aqua Sox watching, you know, all sorts of baseball. Um, and, and that's extremely impressive to have, to have that type of longevity, um, you know, in this field. So I guess let's rewind the clock a little bit before we kind of get into the circus act that is 2020. Um, you know, 
talk a little bit about how you got started into this field. Um, you know, I, I know you went to University of Washington, uh, but just talk yep. about a, a little bit about how you got broke into this field and, and what you did to, to get started, to get your foot in the door. I grew up in Southern California in Santa Barbara. I was a big Dodger fan. And so when I was a kid growing up, uh, there might've been 30 Dodger games on TV every year, but uh, they were always on the radio and Vince Scully and Jerry Doggett and Ross Porter. So as a kid growing up, I, I, the games are always on in the house. So we, we follow the Dodgers religiously. Um, and then when it came time for me to go to college, I was up here in Seattle and it was great because, you know, when we went to a Dodger game from Santa Barbara, it would be, you know, you have to plan your day and drive down there through traffic. And, you know, all of a sudden here I was in Seattle where, you know, Mariners are playing in the Kingdom on a Saturday night. There might be 15,000 people there and I could leave my house and park my car in 10 minutes and walk in and buy a seat right behind home plate for like 20 bucks. So I went to a lot of games and the Mariners had this promotion was called Budweiser Fantasy Play-by-Play, just a, a revenue generator for the club. And it was cool because you could, you could go up to the press level. They would give you the game notes for that night, and you could sit in a booth, and uh, you could do play-by-play of the game. And it was, it, was, it was awesome. It cost, I think it was like 30 or 40 bucks to do an inning, and then they gave you a VHS tape when you were done. Uh, so I did that a few times and, and it was fun. It was like, you know, like, like broadcast karaoke. Uh, and then I didn't want to keep paying the money. So I got the idea just for the fun of it to uh, go sit up in the 300 level, like way up behind home plate and broadcast into a tape recorder. And this was before I even had a thought that I might be able to, to do this someday uh, professionally. But uh, uh, then, then the, the seed was planted and, I think the first year I did it was 1989, and then my, my first job in baseball was in 1995 in Bellingham. They were a uh, Northwest League San Francisco Giants affiliate. So I was there for two years, 95 and 96, and then in 97, the franchise moved down to Salem-Kaiser, and then the job opened up in Everett in 1998, and essentially I've, I've, I've been here ever since. And I have a, a very understanding family, uh, uh, my wife, Alita, and my daughter, Taryn, and they're okay with me being away from home for, you know, 38 nights a year during a 76-game season, which will, next year, will be getting longer, a 2021 season. Uh, but what my wife always says, just when I get tired of the season being so long and you being away, then the season's over. So uh, that's how I've been able to to come back and, and do it again every year. So I, I, it's very enjoyable. I, I've seen a lot of cool things. I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful to have, have had this opportunity. That's great. Yeah, I mean, quick backtrack, by the way, to how you got started. The, the broadcast karaoke, as you, as you labeled it, that's like a fantastic bar idea. So I think you just... Yeah, were onto something, and and well, the Mariners were onto something before. I don't know why if they still have that now, uh, where people like they that don't. would be a great no. idea no for way. a bar, yeah, uh, to just have you know people yeah. drinking yeah. and then just have people get to comment, you know, <laughs> a few minutes, commentate a few minutes of the game, you know, while at the bar. Um, so that was yeah, uh, would show, you know, show like, yeah, what would you what would you show up there like you know Henry Aaron's seven hundred fifteenth home run or. You know, the, the three times the Giants won the World Series uh, most recently. I don't know. Well, yeah, Super Bowl I mean, the, stuff. the possibilities are endless. You never know when you might get the right day and you're calling a perfect game in, in broadcast karaoke. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> that's great. Um, that's awesome. Well, yeah. So then from Salem Kaiser, you you obviously went to, uh, you know, went to Everett and, and you know, the rest is, is history from there. Um, yep. but, but talk about how, how that started and how the Aqua Sox have evolved, I guess, and been able to sustain, um, a pretty valuable presence in the minor leagues. You know, they're, they're a pretty well-known organization. I don't know if it's because it's their proximity to Seattle, um, or what, uh, or just the production that they put on the field 
or what that might be, but they are kind of, I'm not going to say they're a staple in minor league baseball, but they do have a presence. So you talk about how you've seen that evolve and how they've been able to sustain themselves. I think we, we, we get more out of a little bit less than some minor league teams that have brand new stadiums. I mean, our ballpark is what it is, but we've made some improvements to, uh, uh, improve the fan experience and also make it a better environment for uh, our players. Um, most recently, actually, your, your uh, season in 2018 Orlando, that's when we installed the field turf. And then part of our lease agreement, we were able to parlay that into a field naming rights deal, which we signed with uh, Funko prior to uh, last season. So it's, it's now known as, as Funko Field at Everett Memorial Stadium. We also unveiled a, a brand new video board, so we upgraded that tremendously, basically doubled in size, and it's fully HD. Uh, so, so those things, you know, kind of dress the place up a little bit. There's, there's more to come, but um, you know, we have on the business side just slowly grown things from. Uh, it, was, it was a tough time for everybody back in 2008 during the financial crisis, 2008, 2009. But we increased attendance pretty much every year um, at the lowest point. It was about 2,300 per game. That was back in 2009, uh, which in some minor leagues, that, that's fine. But we were able to get back up over 3,000 per game this past season. Um, so, you know, from a, a, a sponsorship standpoint, that's good. You know, having more people in the ballpark is always good. Uh, just having the, the entertainment staples and the giveaways and good weather. And there's so many variables in having success in minor league baseball. But the relationship with the Mariners is a, is a big part of it. I mean, if we were the Northwest League affiliate of the Miami Marlins, I don't think it would have the same kind of, kind of cachet. But uh, the selling point for us is that, Fans will be watching players who will hopefully one day be wearing Mariner uniforms. Uh, so that there's there's that little piece of it. And then, you know, you might see Robinson Cano up for a three-game rehab assignment. Uh, uh, that's always exciting for the fans. So, uh, yeah, you remember that? We, 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 I sure do. Man, I, I remember uh, uh, Jose Moreno telling the story about when he hit one of the home runs. I, I think it was the Grand Slam. It was something along the lines of, um, Eugene brought in their best reliever and um, Cano was asking somebody uh, if he, did, he had never seen it before so he's like you know what does he throw and the answer was well he throws you know a fastball he throws this and he throws a cutter and Cano goes oh okay does he throw the cutter for a strike and whoever was talking to him said yeah I think he does so he goes up there I think it was on the first pitch yep. looks for the cutter and hits it out yeah, it was a game-winning <laughs> grand slam. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, late in the game. That was that was so special, and and we've had some moments like that in our history. But uh, you know, every, every day you go to the ballpark. Um, you know, I, I look at it through the lens of being a fan first and foremost. But you, you may see something that you've never seen before. But in in those kinds of moments, it just makes it so gratifying to uh, to to be in this business for sure. So when something like that happens, do they, are there names on the back of these jerseys? No. Okay. Cause I was wondering if, no, you know, a Cano jersey would get made just for one game or however long he was there. <laughs> yeah. That'd be funny to yeah. yeah, we did. We've done that before. So we did uh, when Dave Valley was our manager back in 2014 and he, he, play the big leagues and he's uh you know well-known commodity here he's in media here in seattle we had we had dave valley t-shirts made up and then when mike zunino was here in i guess going back to the 2012 season um i mean he was just like the second coming uh he, he was so good he was the first round pick that year that we we had mike zunino uh jerseys made up but that's uh uh that's all I can remember. But yeah, I mean, it's a great idea. Uh, you know, people bought them. That's for sure. Right. Right. That's so when you, when you talk about the, the fans and the fan base in Everett, especially with it being, you know, in close proximity to the major league affiliate, do you think that these fans just on based on if, if 
whoever you've talked to over the years or just the feeling you get, do you think it's a matter of, <laughs> hey, this is baseball in our city, we get to go watch? Or is it really like we're going to see who's next up for the Mariners? You know, because I feel like I don't know the numbers, but I've been to a couple San Jose Giants games. And, and again, same thing. The field is it's fine. But really, you're going to see, you know, as like baseball fans, we know, I, I would put us past the casual baseball fan, but I guess the, the demographic of the fans that are going to these games, do you think they're casual fans just able to go to a, a game that's close by or they're more hardcore fans that are, okay, this guy got drafted here. I'm just a little curious about that. Yeah, I think it's a linear combination. I mean, I I think there there are multiple demographics at work, and there's certainly the hardcore baseball fan that want to come out and, and see the prospects. And, you know, if we get a first-run guy that signs, and, you know, especially a pitcher, uh, when George Kirby made his uh, home debut, uh, you know, our, our attendance was probably up a little bit. And then we just we have our fans that are just that's that's what they do in the summer. They're season ticket holders. You know, maybe they're you know, a little bit of extra time on their hands. Um, you know, they're, they're retired or they they it's their thing. You know, they're going to be at the ballpark. Uh, they've already planned it out on their calendar. You know, they're season ticket holders. Maybe they don't come to every game, but they're going to be they're going to be there a lot. Maybe they come to 30 of the 38 home games. Um, and then, you know, we, we have people who come out with groups. So maybe, you know, your company or your church group or, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, so we, it's, it's, we, we put everything together in layers and then, you know, through giveaways and fireworks shows and uh, any kind of promotion that can uh, spark some interest, uh, we, we advertise uh, as efficiently as we can. Uh, but it's all about selling tickets and getting people in the ballpark. And uh, I don't think we we know exactly why everybody comes to the game. We 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 you know have an idea, but uh, so far uh, up through certainly uh, last season, it's working. And so we're just going to keep doing what we're doing and uh, keep moving forward. And you know, hopefully. Once uh, everything clears up, uh, I'll, we'll be be back on schedule and back to three thousand per game. Right, and I think, and and I want, I do want to circle back to just because you know you've been, like I said, you know you've been, you've seen a lot, you've seen a lot of baseball, and I do want to circle back um, to basically stories of of some of the most elite players that you've seen, but to Alan's point of of minor league baseball and how they kind of cater to to whatever crowd. I think a lot of that too is, um, you know, the, the situation of the team, like the Mariners are obviously in Seattle, so they can advertise, you know, their product as, Hey, you know, this is, this guy is going to be, you know, with the team, he's our number one pick, but a city like Vancouver, I don't think there's a ton of blue Jays fans in Vancouver, honestly, I have no idea. Maybe there is. Maybe Blue Jays are Canada's team. I, I honestly have no idea. I don't know if there's more Mariners fans there or what. Um, but a city like Vancouver that's like a big party city, they're advertising their product as like an experience. Full, like, you know, you got right. a flip cup down the line. Uh, you got the beer garden, like sold out crowd, great food, amenities and everything. So that's what they're advertising for but you know someone you know like the aqua Sox that's super close to the mariners that's how you're catering to your audience am i did Correct. i kind of did i hit and, that did i hit that right yeah no absolutely and, and and i think that these things develop organically uh vancouver is a really cool place to to see a game um yeah i, I think there are uh quite a few blue jays fans up there i think there's a lot of mariner fans up there too uh, but um, they they really turned when they became a Blue Jays affiliate, and hopefully they you know with the way things are being reorganized, hopefully that that relationship can continue. Uh, but you know that that old ballpark, they really had something to to work with, and that's a ballpark that was built back in the early '50s, and then they've made a lot of improvements to to really make it stand out for the fan experience. There's certain things that some ballparks and minor leagues can offer and there's 
certain things that uh, uh, others cannot offer. Um, their their ballpark is is cool in the sense that you know you've got you know the 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 younger millennials that come out to have a beer and a hot dog and you know maybe watch a little bit of the game, but they're there just to kind of hang out and 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 party and you know maybe a guy takes his girlfriend to a date on a date to a, a Canadians game that that sort of thing, um, you know the Aqua Sox we're open to any kind of demographic and and you know. If, if somebody wants to view us that way and there's something there for them to be entertained, then that's great. But we're, yeah. we're always looking at ways that we can I- improve the fan experience. Right. Right. So anyway, like I said, you know, you, you've seen so much baseball. Can you, a lot of our audience is probably, you know, not, uh, they probably don't remember, you know, a lot of the nineties and the two thousands. Although if you have a, a Griffey story that you've seen, please feel free to let it fly. Um, we love Griffey. So, but I guess in the past decade, um, who's someone, I guess, from the Mariners that has, you know, stood out amongst the elite and who's like someone that's come in from, from an opposing team and just lit it up for a series. And you're like, that guy could be the second coming of, of Babe Ruth. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I, I don't think any, any conversation about this can, can uh, not include Felix Hernandez, which when we had him as a 17 year old in 2003, um, we, we at the time knew what we were getting at, at least, well, not, not initially. And I, I, I told this story a few times, our, our pitching coach that year was a, a man named Gary Wheelock, a great guy. He, uh, he was one of the first ever Seattle Mariners and he, he pitched for the Mariners who's in the rotation back the first year in 1977. But uh, Gary, when, when you interacted with him, he was always, you know, happy go lucky guy kind of joking around. And so every year before the season would start, I'd sit down with the coaches and get them on tape. And I just say, you know, uh, you know, Orlando Rajo, tell me about this guy. Um, and a lot of times they wouldn't know a whole lot, you know, the college guys just got there. And so they probably wouldn't even know, you know, what the, what the pitchers threw, but they knew a lot about Felix Hernandez. But the funny thing was I, I asked Gary, I'd asked him, you know, that Felix was down on the list alphabetically, but when we got to him, I said, so, so tell me about this Felix Hernandez. I, you know, I didn't know anything about him. And all of a sudden his, his face changed and he got really serious. <laughs> he said, uh, Felix Hernandez is the youngest and most talented pitcher in this organization. And he will be in the major leagues barring injury in the next two to three years. And, and it happened. And, and, and after that, of course, that, that, that season watching him pitch every fifth day was, uh, just, just remarkable. Uh, I mean, he was throwing, he was throwing nine, like upper nineties to hundred as a 17 year old, right? Yeah, he was, uh, I didn't see any radar gun stuff, but it was, we, we, we were led to believe that it was, that he was upper nineties, that he was sitting about 95 with, with a four seam fastball. I mean, back then he was, uh, it was a different kind of pitcher. He was fastball he had command and he had the, the big curveball and he could throw it for a strike and that's really all he had I and mean, then I think he I think he threw a change up but I mean that that was principally it and you know he was dominant and he struck people out and he he had one outing I remember uh, at the old ballpark in Eugene where he scuffled a little bit but uh, he he bounced right back the next time out and he was he was the he was the best pitcher in the league in in 2003 uh, by far. Uh, also that year at the, at the tail end of the season, now that we're talking about 2003, we got, uh, we got Adam Jones and, and he was 17 year, years of age as well. And he, like a, a lot of the first round picks back then, he signed really late and we only had him for the final three games of the season. Uh, but as it turned out, he, he swung to that pretty well. He was, he was five for 13. They had drafted him as a shortstop. Uh, and he, um, he, he, he played the position pretty well in the three games I saw him play. But, uh, but even then, uh, people, baseball people were more enamored with his arm and they thought that he'd eventually become a pitcher. Um, uh, so they liked that better than his ability to be a position player, but he obviously showed that he, he could be a position player. Yeah, shout like out he's to playing those, in Japan uh, now. People. Yeah. yeah. Did he pitch? Right, yeah. 
Did he but, pitch in the minors? I, I don't believe he did. No, no. But I mean, he's, I mean, he's just, he, he, that, that's a, that's a big tool for him, obviously, right. as you guys know. Um, um, and, and too bad the Mariners traded him for Eric Bedard. That was, uh, that was one of the uh, few things that didn't go the Mariners way. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, some Bedard. other, some other guy jotted a few names down here for you. Um, uh, one opposing player, when when Russell Wilson, the Russell Wilson played uh, for Tri City, Danger uh, we Russ. saw him play for a series. Yeah, yes. So it was a, it was a series between the Aquasocks and Tri City back in July of 2010. It was right before the end of the first half. That was the first year of the split season, and I I, I don't think he did. I looked at the old scorebook. I think he was like two for 13 in the series, but one of his hits was a triple to right center against Tom Wilhelmson. I remember that one. And then, you know, even though he was at the time, he was the starting quarterback at North Carolina state. I, I mean, I hadn't heard of him. And um, I remember he had to leave after that series against Aqua Sox to go back uh, to get ready for the 2010 NC state football season. And then it's just, it's, you know, the next year he's at Wisconsin the year after that, he's with the Seahawks, and three years after we saw him, actually, well, yeah, a little bit more than three years after we saw him, he's winning a Super Bowl. So, uh, didn't see that coming. Yeah, yeah, no, no that's yeah. that's good that he uh, that he struggled though. You know, he has to struggle at, at something. Um, uh, otherwise, yeah, like that, yeah, that's just that's unfair. That's unfair. Just how uh, it's crazy how like the the most elite athletes are just good at everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like the elite, elite, like good, the Odell's. Good yeah. Right. Odell could be the best soccer player in the, okay. Anyway, that that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, but I guess like, you know, uh, cl- closing in on, on, on the players that, that you have circle, I guess right now in the Mariner system, you've seen a lot of these guys, they have a loaded system. Yeah. Um, and, and we are oh, yeah, they do. getting into kind of Mariners heavy talk, but that's who you're all about. So um, yeah, I mean, yeah. they have a loaded system right now. You've seen Kirby. You've seen Cal Raleigh. I, I played with Cal. Um, yeah. I don't think oh, you yeah. saw Kalnick. He's a specimen. Uh, but who's someone, I guess, that, that, yeah, that stood out, I guess, recently and who's in the system right now is knocking on the door. Um, you saw Evan White as well and, and Kyle Lewis. You saw yeah. that horrible injury. But you see how he's playing now. He looks right. like he's the best player ever. He, he, he sure does. And, you know, Evan's scuffling as you know and he's he signed that contract uh, during the offseason uh the defense has been great uh i i just hope that uh, things come around with a bat i mean i think the mariners you know look at this season uh i don't know how i mean they're taking it seriously but you know i think vegas had their over under win total at 24 i mean i just think they're trying to get these guys in the lineup and, and getting them at bats and and just just get them reps yeah evan white yeah, he, he he was terrific uh, really good guy too. And we had him in 2017. Yeah. Uh, I've Logan always said Gilbert, that you'll remember. I don't mean to interrupt you, Pat. I've always said that Evan white is the nicest human on the face of the earth. That's like, I, I think that's a well, fact and can't be disputed. Oh yeah. I mean, you, yeah, I mean, like, like all you guys, all you players are, are, are good guys. And, uh, cause I, I make it a point to, you know, talk to all of you and, and uh, try to at least one time a season interview you. And, and you know, you, you, you can tell when you interact with somebody that, yeah, that's definitely true about Evan. Um, uh, Logan Gilbert, uh, he was he was with us, as you recall, but he didn't pitch. And he's on the cusp of, you know, he's, he's in the, the Mariners uh, 60-man player pool right now. So he's with the guys down in, in Tacoma. Uh, Kirby um, is doing his thing. He pitched the other day. I was reading with good control, and he was sitting about 97. So uh, I think they'll be able to find a place for him. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, and then the, the two guys that are in Seattle now that that are you know young and considered to be prospects, uh, uh, Justice Sheffield and Justin Dunn. I haven't seen actually. I, I saw Sheffield pitched once. I went and filled in for uh, Mike Curto, the uh, Tacoma broadcaster. Uh, last year and saw him pitch. Uh, but then I mean, it's still kind of a mixed bag with those guys. Kyle Lewis entering the day, I think he was hitting 385. 
Uh, and, and like you said, Orlando, after that real tough injury, to, to see him doing what he's doing now is great and, and you know, doing a great job in, in center field. Cal Raleigh can, can hit and he can defend, and uh, he's been working hard. So I uh, would love to see him get a chance and get the big leagues. Um, Isaiah Campbell's a guy who's intriguing. He, he didn't pitch for us last year because uh, just his innings total in, in college. So, right, Arkansas uh, guy, know, right? He, he's a, right, right, right. Okay. And he, he's an intriguing arm. And then, hey, how about Joey Gerber? Made his second major league appearance today as, as you're recording this. And he came, they brought him in with two outs in the fourth inning and the base is loaded and you got a ground ball to get out of it. And then he wound up going an inning and a third scoreless. And I think it was Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, when they called him up, that's when he made his his debut against the Angels, and he had a one two three inning. So that was that was kind of cool to see. And then another guy who uh, was with us in 2015, uh, the left-hander Anthony Masavich, who got dealt to Tampa Bay, and then he came back, and so he made his big league debut this season. So um, you know, just watching the Mariners again as a fan and. Uh, you know, watching it, having an interest in it, like I do. It, there's, there's so many young guys, and you know, we haven't even talked about, you know, Jared Kelnick. I mean, he's been tearing it up down at the alternate training site, Tacoma. People are talking about on Twitter that they're in favor of calling him up right now. Um, Julio Rodriguez, I guess, is going to get the cast off his uh, fractured left wrist uh, next Tuesday, so that's great. You got the. First round pick this year, the guy from Georgia, Emerson Hancock. Uh, I mean, uh, Noel B. Marte, who was in the DSL last year. We might have even seen him in Everett this year had we uh, had a season. So, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I don't want to call it an embarrassment of riches, but uh, there's there's a lot of talent in this organization. Yeah, I've always compared it to kind of what the Padres have have sort of built, um, you know, throughout throughout the last yeah. few years with their system. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that is, as you say, that's an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Pat, as we kind of wind this thing down and we speak about the future, there's no way we can talk about the future without talking about what is going on in the present and the, all the things that are going on right now, as far as the pandemic and how this situation continues to be fluid as we can continue to hear how do you see that shaking up the minor leagues i mean it's a loaded question but i guess just from yeah maybe what you've heard or just what the feelings that you get based on obviously unfortunately this season the minor leagues getting canceled and yeah. we've had a bunch of minor leaguers on uh on this podcast who you know uh have been affected by that so it's really so much is up in the air right now, and I'm just kind of curious what your take on it is. Yeah, well, you know, um, I'm sure you guys uh, check the, the COVID numbers every day, and it's just not good. Um, you know, it's in, in our business, in minor league baseball, it's very difficult to plan ahead for anything, um, even, you know, a month from now. Uh, needless to say, six to eight months in advance if we don't know where we're going to be with regards to COVID. But COVID is, it, it, it's an issue, but for minor league baseball, the other issue is the professional baseball agreement. And Baseball America has done a really good job covering this issue. Uh, as you, you guys know, the, the PBA, this is the agreement that binds uh, minor league baseball with major league baseball and the agreement expires at the end of September. And so far uh, from what I have gleaned from reading the reports, the negotiations have not gone very well. Um, the last time they had face-to-face -face negotiations were at the end of April. And uh, there was a, a piece in, in Baseball America uh, the other day that uh, MLB now is currently on their third negotiating team. Um, so what's at stake there is as, as you know, the, the, the proposed elimination of, of 40 minor league franchises, uh, of which the Aqua Sox are not one of those, thank goodness. Nice. Uh, as well as the possible elimination of, of MILB independence. So 
So in, in these negotiations moving forward, Major League Baseball has all the leverage and everything it needs to eliminate the minor league office in St. Petersburg, Florida, essentially making MILB a subsidiary of Major League Baseball. Um, so a, a, aside from that, um, you know, the, the, the relative uncertainty for us is that, you know, we don't know what the classification level that we're going to be playing in uh, next season is going to be. Is it going to be low A? Uh, could it be high A? I don't know. Will, will the season begin in April or May? Uh, how many games are we going to play? Um, and then, then how is that going to look with scheduling conflicts? How is that going to work out for franchises that share their facilities with others like uh, the Eugene Emeralds play at PK Park, share the facility with the University of Oregon, who will be in the middle of their season. Uh, uh, likely if, you know, if, if everything goes according to schedule. And, and then, you know, minor league baseball really needs to be 100% open to be viable. Um, I, I, we, we certainly can't do it with no fans, which is why the 2020 season got canceled. But, uh, you know, 50% with social distancing and people wearing masks and uh, I, I just don't know how that's going to work out. And, you know, you, you see what's happening in college football and the NFL. And I saw on Twitter today that um, the Western Hockey League, junior hockey here in the area, their season would have started, I believe, in late September. And they have made the announcement that it won't start now until December. They've canceled the Tournament of Roses parade. Google employees in California are going to keep working from home until July of next year. And then, oh, by the way, spring training starts in six months. And the 2021 season would would, would uh, uh, conceivably start in eight months. So, you know, PBA, COVID, uncertainty, and we're, we're running out of time. So, you know, could everything turn around and everything start to go down? Yeah, well, they, they would be we got to start seeing them go in the other direction. And then, you know, when is there going to be a vaccine and how will that be distributed? And, you know, what will that mean? And what will it do to fans? Will, will they, what percentage of fans will stay home? And I think that has an effect uh, on minor league baseball as well as, as every other sport. So it's, it's definitely a concerning time. It, it, it will change. It will come back to normal eventually. We, we just don't know now when that's going to be. Yeah, that, um, you know, that's actually extremely valuable information uh, from hearing this from you because I, I don't, Alan, did you know? No, I, I didn't a know. A lot of what of he just, what he just told no, us. No, besides the unknown, which is the unknown. Um, that was a lot of just, premium information right there no yeah in addition to obviously being the voice of the ox Sox, you can be we can report on this situation and and the minor leagues you can be our confidant our business there you guy go. i'm happy to in terms yep. of in terms of this aspect no that's uh that's good it sounds like in addition to that useful information it also sounds like what you're saying is i mean we might as well pitch a tent over next year as well because it's going to be a circus too well, I think, I mean, I, right now, I mean, again, we, 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 we don't know where we're going to be at in the next six months or the next month with, with, with this. So we, we can't plan anything. We can, mm -hmm. we can move forward thinking that, you know, they get this PBA taken care of and, and, you know, get a, get a schedule and, uh, you know, then, then what's going to happen. And, and even like, you know, we going into the 2020 season, we were thinking when this, when our, uh, the uh, Governor Inslee issued the stay-at-home order here in Washington on, I think it was the 23rd of March, we were still about three months away from the start of our season. So we were thinking, you know, they'll get it under control. We, we, we you know, a lot of stuff can happen in three months. You know, everybody, they'll, they'll, they'll do the right thing and the people in charge and it, it should all work out. And of course, that, that, that didn't happen. And I remember thinking like back in April, gosh, I wonder if this is going to affect the NFL season. And so now <laughs> that's, you know, we're, 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 and people would say, I'd, I'd say that to some of the, oh, no, no, the, the NFL is going to be just fine. They'll have it figured out by then. And, and so now here we sit in August of, of 2020 thinking about, you know, April of 
2021. And <laughs> I don't know, man, it's just, uh, uh, it's, 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 I wouldn't want to bet on it right now, but again, um, I, I am, I am hoping and praying that things will turn around and we will have some positive news, uh, before the end of the year. Right. We can yeah. only hope. Same. We can yeah. absolutely hope. Yeah. Um, well, Pat, this has been fantastic. Uh, it was great catching up with you. Uh, we obviously have to keep in Likewise. touch. Um, and and yep. hopefully, you know, we'll do this again. You're free to come on anytime. Okay. Like I said, that was great. And uh, thanks so much. Thank you very much, uh, Orlando Allen. Great to be with you. Thanks, Pat. All right. Take care, Pat. And uh, tell you and your family, you know, stay healthy. Yes. Yes, indeed. And, and best to your folks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.